Welcome back to Flyover Territory Podcast. I am your co-host Woody, and with me as always on this playoff eve, playoff evening, eve before playoffs, I don't know however you want to phrase that, uh, is co-host Dave. Dave, how are we doing? The eve of eves, it's September, it's playoff season, and uh, we are looking at a uh, back-to-back Central Division champions in the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to take a moment just take a large drink from this beer in front of me to kind of celebrate and savor um a weird weird season and it's where we wanted to be at the end of it uh so cheers that's that's a valid point i think uh lost in all this like last two weeks of are we gonna win the division are we not are we gonna face the yankees are we not was 60 ish game was called 60 games about 70 days ago if you were to say hey you're gonna win the division and you're gonna have a home playoff series Everyone would have taken that, regardless yep. of opponent. Mm-hmm. You would have had your fingers crossed that it wasn't the Yankees at full health, um, which it isn't, which is great news, and we'll get into that. But, uh, yeah, it's a it's a great time to be a Twins fan because it's playoff time and the Twins are involved, which can't always be said, but seems like with this roster and with where we're set up is maybe something that's going to be more regular both this year and going forward. Eve of Eves, uh, this is just breaking through uh, that the Twins will play at 1 p.m. on ABC uh, against the Houston Astros on Tuesday, September 29th. And I believe one of the, if not the, first game of the MLB playoffs Maybe the Rays and Jays or Astros, or excuse me, A's and White Sox play before them. But we're on that first day. There are a slate of four games, and the Twins are right there. AL Game 1 of the Wild Card Series at 1 p.m., Woody, 1 p.m. I will be needing to take a look at the work calendar and seeing how we're going to balance this. That That is – so usually when the playoffs come around, it's a bad thing for, for most people because, yeah, we usually weirdly get – at least two of the day games, um, and I'm either like or was either rather in class and with a teacher that was like anti turning the TV on, <laughs> or like at work and again not in range of a TV. Uh, this year is different with the work from home, and I have about five different TVs at home I, I could choose to work in front of. Um, yeah, so it is Sunday evening, the 27th right now of September. We are. So some of this is coming through like literally as we are recording this um, in terms of the schedule. But uh, if yeah, if we're on ABC, that's cra- crazy. Um, I wonder who that means we'll get for a broadcast crew. It's got to just be like the ES- well, ESPN ABC, I'm sure, is kind of the um, the affiliate there. But it's crazy to think of. Yeah, I guess they just have all those extra series that they got to put on TV and tbs and turner only have so many channels and it's i think it's only turner and espn that can play i guess fox too um 
but they'll run into some issues once you get to the weekend, which we'll talk to. But as uh, as you mentioned, though, yeah, different, as everyone knows, different playoff setup with it being eight teams. Uh, we'll just run through just for reference of where we're at right now. Uh, one seed, Tampa Bay Rays, will play the eight seed, the Toronto slash Buffalo Blue Jays. Um, which, hey, good for them for making it. Uh, two seed, Oakland A's playing the seven seed Chicago White Sox. Good luck with that, Oakland. Uh, the number three, your hometown Minnesota Twins uh, versus the number six, Houston Astros, uh, assuming without use of trash cans this year. Uh, and then the four five in the AL is going to be the uh, Cleveland Indians and the New York Yankees, which is just a match made in heaven, I think, for, for oh, all. It's- it's baseball. so great. Like a bloodbath, either one of those teams not being in the second round is great news for Minnesota Twins fans. I think also anybody else that's in this playoff uh, eight-team AL spread here. And I think it's it's really important to note that um, just kind of looking at the bracket that was sent out um, regarding the setup here, it is the first and eight seed, so that Tampa Bay versus Buffalo slash kind of Toronto club um, – playing the winner of the four and five game series. And that is of course the aforementioned Cleveland, New York. And that's kind of that, that, that upper grouping down on the South side of the bracket, the uh, South uh, West corner of the bracket, as I'm looking at it, it's the number three twins Astros at number six. And then the winner taking on that athletics white Sox series, which kind of, I think is really kind of gets us set up, uh, to, to prognosticate way too early about what it's going to be like to play the White Sox in round two. But I love it. I, I just, I love this 5-4. I feel like this is the break that the Twins wanted in terms of final day of the season. All these games were happening in the scores. I was listening along and they were doing a great job of kind of scoreboard watching. And the White Sox kind of stormed back in their game. And I, I, I can't recall exactly what happened in Cleveland, but these games, they were down early. They came back. I think Cleveland ended up winning, which allowed them to end up where they're at. It's like the probabilities were all mapped out about the Twins taking on either Cleveland or Chicago or Houston or New York or even potentially going into the last game of the season, there was a potential that they might play Toronto. Um, and this is I, – I just – I think it's important to get it out there right away. I feel like this is the ideal matchup for Minnesota Twins fans. There's no baggage of New York Yankees, Twins history involved in this. In fact, the Yankees are on the other side of this bracket, so don't have to worry about that for round one, round two. Um, and if you're in round three, then it's all, all bets are off. And I also love the fact that they are not playing arguably one of the hottest teams in baseball in Cleveland who have had how many walk-off wins in the last couple of weeks here to all of a sudden – be back in this conversation and freaking Shane Bieber, the AL Central or AL MVP slash Cy Young for sure, um, waiting you in a three-game series. So I, I just I, I want to emphasize Woody that that four-five Cleveland New York matchup. I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that. I'm I'm gonna be very pleased when one of those teams is not in the next round of the playoffs. Uh, I think I would be more pleased if. New York is not in the next round, but that's just uh, clearing a path that does not lead through the Bronx based team um, for the twins. If they were to advance on, but what, what, what thoughts did you have on the, on the AL side 
kind of just looking at it right away. Yeah, no, uh, I think reiterating a little bit there too with not having the New York Yankees on your part of the bracket until you get to the ALCS, in which case, again, once you're there, hey, that's fine. Like, I think that's all really I ever was asking for was can we just not have to play them out of the gates? And you look at kind of just how, like, the makeup of these teams, it felt all season that, like, just real quick rundown of all of them. Like, Tampa Bay Rays, no one believes in them. No one ever has. The Toronto Blue Jays, I mean – Cool story, but again, they're benefiting directly from 18 playoffs. Um, but like, would never have been an like would have been a complete afterthought if normal season. Uh, the Indians, I mean, the White Sox and us, we've talked about them throughout the whole season this year. Uh, so plenty there. But Cleveland, Bieber, that's like pretty much going down 0-1 in the series. Uh, <laughs> just the way he's been pitching. The Yankees might have another starter on their side in Garrett Cole that could maybe, you know make it less relevant that Beaver's pitching where I just didn't trust if we had to face them in that same scenario. But, you know, again, thank, thankfully the, the Indians and the Yankees are playing each other. Uh, the Astros getting no Verlander. Uh, it's their, their star core players, that young core that everyone fell in love with in 2017 are like doing okay, but not like playing at the level that everyone thought was, Hey, Bregman's going to be a, MVP candidate for the next decade. Correa is going to be a power hitting Derek Jeter at shortstop. Uh, you have, you know, for whatever, George Springer is going to be, you know, maybe the Mike Trout light kind of outfielder that the rest of the Major League Baseball can kind of like understand why he's so great. And they all have kind of underperformed in different parts. So we'll get more into them too as we kind of break down that series. And then with Oakland, same kind of thing as the Rays. Has anyone ever believed in Oakland? No. Like, even their best money ball team, we, the Twins, beat them in the playoffs. Like, Denny Hawking getting cleated in Game 5 and then forcing Luis Rivas to uh, go into the ALCS. But um, And the White Sox are the White Sox who... uh, (laughs) The White Sox, honestly, just looking at this AL, like, kind of quick glance, um, taking, like, the namesake out of it, right? Because I think everyone's in terms of like twins fans are just the Yankees. It's kind of that, you know, Cowboys with the Vikings fans. It's the Blackhawks with the wild fans. It's any team in the NBA playoffs versus the Timberwolves for fans. Uh, but like the white Sox are like the one team, which is a little bit of a bummer that we might have to face them, face them in ALDS where they, they do kind of feel like it's, it might be this year's kind of built for them. Well, and I I appreciate that I would have I would have agreed with that or like I I I still think that's there the potential for it but I feel like the White Sox just got punched in the face repeatedly and that's that's a team that's kind of almost I feel like kind of on the ropes of uh, a little exposed the guys scuffling here at the end um, the the Luis Robert uh, phenomenon kind of took a little bit of a nosedive and Carasion has not done anything for them outside of hit hit a couple bombs against wins of course um but that that's that's a white Sox team like if they were in your corner in the bracket two weeks ago i think you're you're very apprehensive right now i think it's ideal because you could have really flip-flopped chicago with cleveland all throughout the last week and i think it's a whole different conversation for twins fans um to sit with chicago in their corner and Cleveland above them in that other bracket. If, if, if Cleveland's in this grouping playing Oakland, 
then I think you're a little more worried. I, I, that's that's just where I, where I'm at. It's kind of like this is ideal. It sh- it shook out just just great for the Twins team, which of course, uh, if we're doing that kind of reverse psychology kind of thing, like oh shit, now we're getting too comfortable and too excited about everything breaking the Twins way. And I think like you like you mentioned, we can really dive into this. And I think that's that's the most important thing is they still got to get past Houston. It's a sub 500 club. Um, I on paper everything matches up pretty well, but I, I have reservations about the Twins in general at present. Um, and I'd love to talk to you about how my reservations match up against what we're seeing on paper and what everybody's kind of been talking about this Astros team. Like I said, the young core not not really getting it done too much. But before we did that, we kind of wanted to provide that whole picture. So that that's the American League, and I I just I want to emphasize that. Tampa Bay is the best team in the American League, if not second best team in baseball. And here we are writing them off immediately. And same same with Oakland, like great club, really good bullpen. They are missing Matt Chapman, though. That will hurt. Uh, but um, you know, if this was your Western com- or Western side of the uh, NCAA bracket, you immediately pencil Tampa Bay all the way to the ALCS against <laughs> Oakland. <laughs> and you're like, Ooh, that, that's not very exciting at all. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mark that four or five matchup as one to kind of really watch here, mostly because Woody, I would love to see New York advance. Uh, Eating my own words from earlier, but I would love to see New York advance to play either Toronto or Tampa Bay, a, vis- a divisional rival that's actually done pretty well against them. I would love to see Tampa Bay knock crap out of New York, which would mean then Cleveland and New York are out or the upstart Blue Jays team to do the same. I do have a, a few reservations about the Blue Jays, like knocking anybody out um, <laughs> this year, which again, I the, dare say that about Vladdy Jr. <laughs> uh, but like, that, that, I think that's what makes this wildcard series so interesting where you have, uh, you're looking at like a, a three game series. I think you, when you look at it's, it's not, you know, it's not like the, you know, you know, NCAA basketball tournament where you could have, you know, one and done kind of thing. But like, I don't think it's it's unheard of to say, well, any team can win two out of three. Like, in the same way that like any team can win one game. It it's not enough games to be like, listen, the best team's gonna always win. I think you feel more comfortable with, you know, five game series and you definitely feel comfortable with seven game series of, hey, the best team in that moment won the series but with two out of three you know if, if toronto has one of those weird games where they just jump on the rays you know get six seven runs early and the, the rays just can't come back it, it totally could be that but I, don't, I just i think tampa's gonna take care of toronto uh and likewise what you're saying is you know tampa bay went six and four against toronto this year and they went eight and two against the yankees this year so yeah. you know you you sit there and say well i, I just don't trust them they're, they're pitching the rotation actually is pretty solid I will really say that solid. I really like that what they did there, but it's just again that uh, they kind of feel like a good comparison since we're talking about March Madness is they kind of feel like a Gonzaga, where like you know like Gonzaga is always really good. You see them always with like a thirty and three record, and they're always like a two or a three seed. But like yep. there's always something wrong with them when they have to go finally play the really like playoff tested bigger clubs. Yeah. And that's yeah. the one thing I worry about Tampa in terms of if they do have to face New York again is, hey, regular season, 8-2, and two, bubble, great, or not bubble, but shortened season. Now we're in a bubble. Now it's playoffs. 
all the players on the Yankees are here for the playoffs, where you look at Tampa Bay's roster, and, and it might have been constructed more along the lines of, are we just trying to get to the playoffs? And I think that's yeah. a little bit of concern when you talk about maybe a potential ALDS of Tampa and whoever. I, I love that. I love that take on like the Gonzaga comparison to Tampa Bay. Uh, and can they? Are they? Are they? Are they legitimate? Right. Mm-hmm. This is a team that's led by the likes of Brandon Lowe, Willie Adams, and Kevin Kiermeyer. I mean, I think Kiermeyer is a very good player, but you look at this roster; it's not one that is going to jump out too much at you. And I'm just kind of looking at their at their leading. Uh, contributors for this season in terms of their wins above replacement. So, I mean, it's, it's, then it's Yarborough, Snell, Anderson, Diego Castillo, Tyler Glass now. I mean, this is, it's just not a recognizable side. And again, that, that sitting here prognosticating about it, I mean, these guys could ride that and just go all Florida Marlins on a bit and, take it all the way which uh that club from miami also might do the same how about that a little bit of a tampa bay miami marlins final that would be great for major league baseball ratings <laughs> there's there's a lot of potential for really bad major league baseball ratings <laughs> in this playoff format <laughs> it's i mean good good for uh and maybe we'll recap nl a little bit here of um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's a good time to kind of jump over that side before we get heavily into our part of the bracket 14 part here. But I think there is kind of as a, as in a broader sense of kind of where these playoffs settled down. Um, you know, good for Miami getting there one, but like, I'm trying to look at all the teams that didn't make the, you know, the playoffs, especially on the NL side. And it's like, no, not <sighs> number one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're, uh, oh, a first to worst <laughs> scenario for the Washington Ball Club. I believe so. Yeah, in the East, right? Yeah, yeah, because Pittsburgh's in the Central and Arizona's in the West. So first to last. Although they were a wild card last year. Um, yeah. But you look at like big clubs that have had some say in the playoffs and the World Series in the last decade plus a few years, right? Giants, who've won it three times in the last ten years. The Phillies, 08, but then that kind of 07 to 2012 range, they were. They were right there. Uh, the Rockies, uh, like, if that ballpark wasn't, like, so cool and Denver wasn't, like, as good of, like, a metropolitan area as it was, like, they'd be my first, like, team to be moving to, like, Las Vegas or wherever they want to move a team to. Like, they just can't figure it out. Uh, the Mets were in the World Series, I think, five years ago. Nationals won it last year. Diamondbacks and Pirates are kind of out of it. but um, And then the teams that got in over these teams – are like the Brewers, who mentioned before the pod here, they at no point during this season were above 500. Uh, the yeah. Marlins, who two years ago actively tried to acquire the worst roster known to Major League Baseball in the history of the sport to try yeah. to save money. Like, getting number one overall picks in, in the Major League Baseball draft is a really dumb idea. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, who had one of the better rotations, I thought. You know, we talked about that a couple pods ago. Uh, but then... Like, couldn't really figure it out. They're a team that's kind of sneaky. And then the rest of the teams kind of make sense. But, uh, you know, teams like Miami and Milwaukee really stole some spots, I felt like, this year from because it was 60 games. And they played the same season everyone else played. So it's not like they didn't earn it. But I felt like they kind of stole a couple maybe uh, better, kind of a national point of view, uh, like a better story. Marquee teams. Yeah. Yeah. 
Off that point, I mean, the Giants finished 29 and 31. The Brewers are also 29 and 31. The Reds are 31 and 29. Cards are only 30 and 28. Um, Phillies finished 28 and 32. Marlins 31 and 29. I mean, this the NL side of the of the bracket is just a bunch of Houston Astro teams, and that's it's it's these it's these clubs that yeah going down that list uh, are not they don't jump off the page in any way shape and form outside of the the one club and you alluded to this i think and we've talked about it in the past cincinnati who's playing they had to have a really hot two-week stretch to get here if i remember correctly like a great homestand a great 10-game homestand uh two wins against the twins to solidify that that number seven spot but yeah miami shoulder shrug st louis shoulder shrug the brewers i mean that's a team that i i'd have to pull up quickly yelich's uh final stat line for the year but he far from his former self i'm um, not really sure how they were able to concoct their 29 or 28 or how many wins they had so really ho-hum on the on the nl side except for two teams and this is again two teams that ended up in the same bracket so running down that that kind of one through eight here for the nl side that first up in the top right hand corner of the bracket i'm looking at is you've got a just a just a edge of the seat matchup with uh i'm gonna go ahead and whatever we're gonna do if we want to drive down to iowa tomorrow 40 and put whatever large sum of money on the los angeles dodgers defeating the brewers in two games let's do it because that's that's done and over so one and eight it's uh the dodgers brewers right there um the five and four matchup is number five is the st louis cardinals and number four san diego padres which so if we just take the cardinals out of the equation take the brewers out of the equation that nlds matchup if it's dodgers padres i am watching that Bottom half of the brackets, Cubs line up against the Marlins. Uh, Cubs are the three, Marlins the six spot. And rounding off the Houston corner of the bracket is Braves, finished with the number two seed, and Cincinnati as the number seven. So, again, I, I'm just looking ahead at the NLDS in, in this particular um, NL side of the coin, other than maybe a Reds team that's able to throw Trevor Bauer out there uh, here in game one and cause a fun Braves team some issues. The, yeah, it's, to me, this is a two team race. And really, it's, it's, there's a heavy favorite. It's, it's the one in the two seed where I don't feel this way at all about the AL. I think the one in the two seed are not the two best teams. Again, they earn their seeds. I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to be those, but. I just feel like there's stronger teams that maybe just did underperformed at uh, the middle of the year. Where you look at the, the NL, though, the Dodgers, and this is a kind of crazy stat to pull up of run differential. So the best run differential in the AL was tied between the Rays and the White Sox at plus 60. There were six teams, the top six seeds, actually, and the White Sox because, again, they had to finish seventh because of the wild card, how it worked. But the, the six best records in the AL all had a run differential of at least 39 or above. Okay, The the Dodgers' run differential was plus 136. 
So more than double what the number one run differential in the AL was. <clears throat> the next was the Padres, who they'll have to face next, but you know we'll kind of get that too. And then the Braves was plus 60. So the Braves kind of feel more like the best team in the AL. The Dodgers and the Padres are way ahead of it. And the only reason that I think the Padres are less relevant this year is, A, that roster was built in one year, which can work, but... When you literally have to play in the next round, the best team yeah. maybe to enter a World Series in the last I, 20 years. I think maybe one of those like late 90s, early 2000 Yankees lineups were pretty deadly. Uh, and they're right on par with that. Um, and and they're gonna cr- they should just cruise right to the NLCS. The, the one team that could maybe go toe-to-toe with them in terms of firepower on offense would be Atlanta. Um, they're pitching... Will be interesting if that can be enough. But again, I think uh, if you can just like stay relevant against Bauer, I think that that Cincinnati bullpen is going to have some issues. And then once Bauer's gone, I think it's open season for for the Braves, uh, the Cubs, and the Marlins. Nothing really. I, it just they both just kind of feel like eh. The Cubs that that lineup it kind of feels like Houston a little bit. Of hey, we have this young core from 2016. Which is crazy. That was four years ago already that they won that World yeah. Series, and for the yep. most part, that core is still there. But like, it's not the same for some reason. Um, it might have just been a right place, right time for that entire team and organization. And then the Marlins, we talked about a little bit of. Eh, this doesn't they doesn't really feel like their year, but good for them. Um, I feel it being pretty chalk in the NL. Like I don't really see uh, the Cardinals were had a weird thing where they technically had to finish fifth or eighth. Um, and they just happen to finish fifth. Uh, but it's it's looking like, though, that L.A., San Diego, NLDS series in Arlington, Texas, is going to be like, I think, and Padres have a chance, but it's pretty small. I think that's going to be for the for the NL. I think your, your actual NLCS is going to be the one four matchup in the NLDS because it's five games yep. in five days. Um, yep. I think you're if you're the Dodgers, you get lucky here because now you don't really have that built-in excuse of, well, Kershaw's technically good to go out of the pen tonight and blow this game by giving up a crucial two-run home run in the eighth inning, um, like he always does every playoffs. Which I am looking forward to that again this year. Like, it's it's coming. I don't know when. I don't know what game. Uh, I hope it's not because I want to see the Dodgers in the World Series. I really do. But as a fan. But it, I, it's coming where he's going to come out of the pen. He's going to look great for, like, three batters. Everyone's like, you know what? I know he's had all these issues before. And they'll show the montage of, like, the five just brutal home runs he gives up. And then that that whiplash, head turning around off the mound. <laughs> and the moonshot 440 feet to, like, left center. And all of a sudden the Dodgers are trailing in the game that they shouldn't be. Um, I think that's what I'm most looking forward to out of the NL for them to be on that side of the coin. I, I'm, I'm, I'm also just pulling up quick. Uh, one of the other things that Dodgers felt that they could uh, move on and move past Kenta Maeda was uh, a rotation that features two dudes under the age of, well, let's put it at four guys under the age of 26 or 26 and, and younger. Uh, two of them are under 23 years of age. So Urias and Dustin May, who have filthy stuff behind Kershaw, behind Walker, and 
yeah, that that that's a that's that's a matchup against the the firepower and the fun that is San Diego. That I, you, you just you just lean LA. It, it's it's the it's the consensus pick out of the NL, and it just gets me thinking: Who do you think the two best teams are in the AL? Like uh, like from a talent if it's perspective, not, if it's not the one and two seeds, who who is it for you in that conversation? Because all of a sudden, there's a friendly local club that should be in that conversation. But are you seriously saying when Twins are one of the two best teams in Yale? I want to so bad. They're three for me. Um, I still think number two. I still think the Yankees because like what they're able to do without their best two hitters in terms of power hitters, right? Their best hitter might be DJ LeMahieu, who was, I think, won the batting title today. Um, he did. Yeah. <clears throat> so, like, he's still unreal. And Fucking Luke Voigt hit Luke Voigt. 20, what, how many home runs? That's, I, that's on pace for 70. Yeah, like 22 or 23, right? Um, it's just absurd. And it gets really annoying to see the Yankees continually find these guys that, like, apparently only exist in the New York Yankee farm system and nowhere else. Because whenever we try to bring up a like once in a generation type of power hitter for us, he ends up being like a 220 hitter that can't play third base and has to get moved to first. And then they just get Luke Voigt, who's like, eh, I'll just hit 22 home runs real quick in, in a 60-game season. Don't worry about me. Our guy also strikes out how many times this year? How many times? Like, Snow leads the league, but we, well, we digress. Uh, <laughs> I just want to double-check that Luke Voigt is a Yankee farm system product. I believe he is. That's a good point, though. He started too. in St. Louis. Did he really? Okay. Did he play for the Cardinals at any point? He played two seasons with the Cards. Okay. Because yeah, he was his. We'll, we'll pull, I, so the, you you're saying uh, Twins number three, Yankees number two? Is that what I'm hearing? Second best team, and then the first, the best team in the AL. You are saying is. I I still think it's the Chicago White Sox. I I know they had their issues down the stretch. I know they had a really poor ending. Um, a lot of that to me was just a clear like sign of, hey, we've never been here before. And we built like like literally uh, this roster hasn't been in the playoffs. Um, they also have a huge issue of a lot of their players like have never had to like really give a shit at the end of the season. Um, yeah, they're pitching, you know, it's 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 interesting but i just think that this lineup and the and the damage they can do and that they all from at least from like the most part like a defensive side too it's not like they have like a nelson cruz in right field like the texas rangers had that one year uh, but they still have timmy anderson at short this is true luis robert is not the he's not an elite level defender even with that arm even with that range he's still adjusting to the game like I, I just, I, I really, I really, I would put Tampa Bay as the best team in the AL. Okay. They're my number one, and then number two, I, I, I gotta go with a little bit of the feel for this moment right now and say Cleveland's the second best team right now. Even if you say they can't score runs, I, I just think this White Sox. Uh, obsessing about what they did in the first three fourths of the season like sure i don't want to face a team with jose abreu whatsoever and timmy anderson's awesome i mean offensively and then eloy smashes robert smashes like grandal's in there they've also had great production from mccann like they've got guys top to bottom yon mancato like it, it's scary offensively but 
it's still Dallas Keuchel. And Dallas Keuchel is your number two. And even if he's shoved this year, he's still Dallas Keuchel. I'm not, I'm not overwhelmed by Dallas Keuchel. And that, that being said, I'm not, I don't know the Rays rotation well enough, but I, I also know that they won a ton of games. They were really successful against who you're saying your second best team is in New York. That, so I, all valid points. Uh, uh, the, the, the Rays are in that tough division. The Central is a bloodbath too, which is kind of that. Then maybe we're, we're having the wrong conversation here. Like easy conversation on the right-hand side. NL, Dodgers best team. San Diego's really fun, really entertaining, has some great potential upside. And it was not a, not only a team that wasn't – they were built three weeks ago, Woody. Like, when was the trade deadline? Like, this is a team that was put together a month ago at most, as well as just this year. So we're talking them. Um, and so if, if L.A., San Diego, and Braves, like top three teams – Maybe we're doing this thing wrong, and it's really the AL Central is the best team, best league in baseball, or at least division in baseball, in that the number three top teams are some combination of Cleveland, Chicago, Minnesota, in some order. And we're not giving our hometown nine enough due here. Uh, All valid points. All, I, I would... I don't disagree necessarily with any of that stuff. I just... When I look at the White Sox... And why I think they're the best team. Again, best teams don't always get through. But I think when you start this playoffs off, they have seven, at least what I would call rotational to like, and including starters here, but like relevant players that are batting at least 270. Um, yeah. And, and there, which doesn't include arguably maybe for sure two of their better, like talented hitters in uh, Robert and uh, Moncada who are, I think, both batting, like, the low 220s, and then also Grandal's down there as well. So you have some guys that are kind of, like, maybe some sleeping giants potentially in that order, too, where it's like, hey, 60 games, and and we're going to hear that a ton, I feel like, in this playoffs of, well, in 60 games, we don't really know how that's going to work out. It's like, you know what, I think we can develop some decent trends of where they're at right now based off 60 games. I'm not really worried about that they didn't play 150 or 162 or whatever. I think the playoffs are now, like, the 60 games matter. It's not like we're playing, they've only played 60 games. We then waited for, you know, four months to start the playoffs again. It's like everyone's playing now, so I think the trends hold up. But I just, the pitching to me with Chicago, too, is good enough. I know you're not super high on Keuchel. I actually think Keuchel has been pitching really well. Um, and I, and he's, it is super kind of like in a very uh, Rich Hill kind of way, deceiving to see a starting pitcher only throw 88. Uh, but Keiko looks like in terms of just like his command of the game, not like skill. I'm just literally talking about when I test stuff, right on the mound. He looks like Dallas Keiko of the Houston Astros again of like, no, I I'm the best pitcher on this rotation. I should constantly be in the Cy Young like conversation. Uh, I know I can't throw 97. It'd be great if I, I agree. It'd be great if I could do that too, but like I have some pretty nasty stuff. And it's working right now. I think he was six and two this year, with like a one point. I want to say like a round. I'm rounding now, like one point five ERA. I might be off on that one. Um, but when I watched him pitch this year, which again I watched probably more Chicago White Sox games than anyone should, uh, he to me just felt like a guy that I trust. Other than Kenta Maeda, I trust him over everybody else on on the Twins. 
Yes, I, it, I, I, I understand that. I also do want to point out they are two and eight in their last ten games. <laughs> this is valid. This is not two helping my case. Yeah, and and while while Keuchel might have had this like fantastic six and two season, kind of reclaimed and like proved his worth, and we'll get. I'm not sure if he's on a one year, two year, what his deal is. Multi year deal, actually. Yeah, but, I think he has a couple more years left. Yeah. Um. That it it just I. And I like your point about like we've learned enough about these teams over 60 games that we can talk about them as kind of like entire entities. But we also know that it's the teams that are playing well that are in the best position to make runs. And this White Sox team just is is not there. So that's why, uh, again, getting back to that point about like I'm so excited that the Twins have the White Sox in this area. But then again, that that argument could be easily defeated if the White Sox take two right away against Oakland. All the bats are running. Keiko pitches well. Giolito just is lights out. And boom, the Twins have to play a divisional foe who knows them so very well and will not be fooled by Romo throwing garbage out there and who have gotten to Rogers. And shoot, then we don't have a bullpen. And they also can hit the crap out of Rich Hill if we have to trot Rich Hill out there because they can also hit the crap out of Pineda and Berrios and then we're just like shoot we have Kenta and yeah Eichel might slot in above anybody else and they might have some better arms even that uh, they're on they're able to unveil here late on in the season yeah so, no that's fair I think we, uh, we, we've got a little mix with with who we think the number one and two are I just wanted to pull up quick the odds and I'm pulling these off of CBS uh, right now for World Series odds. And this is, of course, heavily favoring the uh, the club from L.A. at plus 350. Yankees second, plus 600. Rays, 600. Padres, 900. Athletics. And then the Twins. What is uh, as of the 26th? What are, what are, what's CBS giving the Twins for odds for the... World Series. Um, they are. See, Twins are uh, twelve to one odds. Okay, that's what uh, that's what I got them in, in in Iowa on Friday. Uh, already, Iowa uses FanDuel, so I can just look up there. Down yeah. to just now ten to one Twins. So ten to one. Trending the All trending right. the wrong. Well, let's see here. Betting wise, trending <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> um, for us, hey, they are the well tied with the few teams but yeah that, fourth best odds. that should that should be uh what do you what do you got for updated odds there what do we got for uh dodgers three to one uh yeah plus 350 so 3.5 to one or three and a half to one seven to two if you want to okay. use round numbers uh rays seven to one yankees uh they'd called this uh 15 to two again plus 750 then the twins a's and padres at plus a thousand so 10 to one braves okay. are 12 to one yeah now we're getting kind of low. the white Sox, if i really believed 15 to 1. And then we get kind of junky after that. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I think uh yeah, it's I think it's it's kind of splitting hairs here with, you know, I think for you know, general purposes of who we think are the biggest threats to be able to get to the World Series or, you know, unseat the Twins uh, along the path. I think collectively it's any team from the AL Central, including themselves yep. and the Minnesota Twins. Yep. Like we could easily unseat yep. ourselves. Um, and we'll kind of get to that here next when we break down our uh, AL. Or I keep calling it ALDS matchup, but no, it's the AL Wild Card Series. Um, 
matchup. And then I think, yeah, the Rays, the Yankees, the White Sox, we already talked about that. Pretty much, from what I'm gathering, generally not really scared of the A's, the Blue Jays, or Houston, which kind of leads us into our matchup here. Which is, is the one that, in a lot of my text messages today, people were very excited as this broke. Uh, I, I guess I kind of want to paint this in, in a couple different ways. I'd really like to highlight what we are excited about for the Twins team and what we're excited about for the Astros in terms of what are their what's their downside, what's their weakness. But I'd like to start it with, like, everything aside – well, I, I guess I, I'll, I'll ask you. I think I'd love to do, like, what are we excited about? What are we very concerned about? And where would you like to start with those two? Because I think I'd like to end on maybe a positive side. So I'd love to dive into the, here's what, okay, we're favored to take out Houston. It's one of the best matchups we could have asked for. It's not a central team, and it's not the Yankees. Let's go. Best home record in baseball. Bring them on. Yeah, I think uh, to try to end on a positive note, I think what... Would be the right... <laughs> <laughs> um, gives me hope about the Twins, so we'll save that for the, for the last part. Okay. So okay. Uh, I think... <laughs> I, and, and that's just... I, and I think I've alluded to it a couple times. It's it's uh, So if we want to start, I'm kind of like that. We are favored in this series, but three-game series, you still got to get through Zach Greinke. It's still a damn good offensive core that's still there it's a proven core in houston uh el tuve notwithstanding um they are an opponent you don't know anything about you haven't played them this summer uh they are able to hit the ball around the park you're at home but you're also not firing on all cylinders you've got injuries left and right You've got a rotation that's heavy with Kenta in the number one spot and not much else. And it's a short series too, so you don't you can't you can't lean into that Rich Hill length that you have, that Odorizzi length that you are able to kind of add up there in a five or seven game series. You are missing not that not that those guys would make those starts in the seven game series, but you're you're not perfectly positioned. You don't have a power arm to really lock them down. Um, Kent is just not a proven entity in that regard. And you're also a club that's bullpen is suspect. And that's, I just feel like at the end of this 60 game season, Romo's not doing anything out there. That's surprising anyone. Nobody's, nobody's scared of encountering Sergio Romo uh, beard, notwithstanding as well. And Rogers has been awful this season. And Duffy was fallible last time he was out. Trevor May always seems to throw one freaking major league style up into the first row of seats back behind home plate. And it's kind of, it's, it, that's what's got me very apprehensive. And we have an offense that can't score runs without hitting home runs or can't win games without hitting home runs. Yeah, I think, and starting kind of with what con- concerns me m- most with. With the Twins and I think yeah, pitching as a whole. I think I think everybody is happy with Kent Maeda. Doesn't really matter. It sounds like he's probably gonna go game one. Um, but we we feel really good about that. Uh, but yeah, you look at the the three relievers that were supposed to be our 
you know, Maeda for six and then seven, eight, nine and, and feel really good about it. And it was supposed to be, you know, in some order, May, Rogers, Romo. And they all pitched uh, kind of the high, kind of top part of, you know, the games in terms of sound like they one didn't have a ton of appearances or one had more than the other by a huge stretch. But ERAs were all pretty much right around four. And <clears throat> it that's concerning. Like they couldn't figure it out. I think that's why I read into it. Not that, oh, well, you know, short, sam- small sample size, uh, weird season, all these things. Everyone had to deal with Playing that. Cleveland 14 yeah. times. Yeah, and maybe that's the one but like bonus of it is, hey, we played, you know, Detroit didn't mess around. We couldn't figure out Kansas City for a while. They were pesky. Um, yep. Where it's, hey, there's some teams here that kind of really gave us some trouble. But I think, again, going back to everyone had to deal with the short season, 60 games, weird scenarios. So that's stuff you can't really complain about. You kind of just look at it and say, hey, I'm concerned that you guys couldn't figure it out. Like the dominant relievers are just dominant. They don't aren't like, well, for two months of the year, I kind of suck. Like it's yeah. that's not really how it goes. And we still don't know who our closer is. Like we have our an idea, like well, it'll probably be this guy or whatever. It's might maybe kind of looking like Clippard or I'm probably gonna get this wrong. Uh, it's Whistler, right? Matt came out and yeah. threw. He's he's kind of that bridge guy. Like today, he threw today and. A tough situation. I think runner on second. Whistler came in and 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 gave up um, a single to a, or a, a hit to allow the run to score. But he had stepped up in those big situations before to kind of like bridge from the starter, maybe give them an inning in a third or something like that. Um, it, it's in in to that that's kind of I know this is end of last couple games or like last couple weeks way heavily, but I'm I'm locked into this like last 10 games what have the twins been doing and it's just been a i haven't had much faith whenever somebody comes running out of that bullpen yeah it's and even look at just these like raw stats here whistler 25 innings pitched era of 1.07 whip of 1.14 uh he only gave up two home runs did walk kind of a high number um but strikeouts 35 and 25 innings and it's like okay well he was probably using some longer scenarios or whatever he has just five innings more than you know rogers and romo and two innings more than trevor may and has like to me at least significantly better stats what's um, stashek looking like because I, I really like stashek but i can't remember if he got knocked around last outing too yeah i don't i don't remember specifically i could pull up the logs here he you know, he only pitched in 11 games, though. Um, so, again, it's kind of the – I know I just said that you can't use small sample size, but his sample size is literally half the games that, you know, these other guys have pitched, and um, it's tough. But I think also, too, what worries me when you start thinking about this this lineup of, yeah, Houston's underperformed, yeah, that we talked about how the core, you know, Altuve, Springer, Bregman – uh, Correa haven't been like these dominant, like four-headed monster we thought they were going to be for seven seasons in a row. At the same time, outside of you know Rogers has his struggles, May you know throws pretty hard, but a lot of our relievers kind of tend to throw like meatball-ish speed pitches, and I just feel like if ever there was a time or a team to jumpstart a like sleeping giant <laughs> of a lineup. It'd be like a, a Sergio Romo, like 84 mile an hour hanging, like breaking ball. That's like the same speed as his fastball for some reason on that one pitch. And Correa just mashes it for like 455 feet straight dead yeah. center. You know, it's like it. We 
that's the one thing I think that concerns me the most, specifically about the relievers, because uh, I don't think that like Rich Hill is going to really pitch that much this this series. Uh, we don't have like arms that can beat bats. We have arms, to me at least, that might be able to get some guys out, but those outs might come with balls put in play. And the more balls you have to put in play against a, a lineup that has a Bregman, Correa, Springer, Altuve, Michael Brantley, I think, is their best hitter this year. Uh, it's just the more chances you have of like screwing something up. Yeah, and, and this is it's. I think right in line with that. That's what's so scary about Chicago to to a Twins Twins fans. It's just it's 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 intimidating. But at at the end of the day, that's. That's why this team is still in the playoffs. I mean, uh, despite the sub-500 record, it's still a roster that's still scary, despite whatever you want to say about um, crash cans and whatnot. It, it's still – these guys are still really good, and the Twins pitching staff, despite it being also kind of conversely probably the biggest strength of this team the last couple weeks in the whole entire season. Like, there's a reason – the twins are here. It's not because they're hitting home runs every single game. Yes, they are, but not on the prolific pace they did last year, I guess it's is a better way of saying that. This is not the Bomba squad back. It's it's no, this is like a team that's had some pretty good pitching, even if we're crapping on the relief uh the the pen right now. This is still a team that 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 got what it needed from their staff and a lot of occasions. And a lot of that comes right back to Kenta, who's been MVP of the Twins, I, especially with Cruz kind of falling off here in the last month. Yeah, I, I mean, Kenta made him their best player. I would, I would think so. I think you know, and maybe Cruz did enough to where these last couple weeks where he hasn't been playing enough or playing much, like it just didn't matter. Like Cruz just, you know, got us to this point, and then we kind of yeah. limped over the finish line. Um, or you waited for somebody else to pick up the team, and he was picking up the team, Mr. Buxton, uh, yeah. before he was viciously clipped in the fucking head, which is just unbelievable. He, he, it's, it, he, it hurt so much seeing that, uh, both from a physical standpoint, but also just uh, an emotional standpoint. He he might be the unluckiest in terms of just, like, availability. In, yeah. in, in the, in, it's for sure on our team, but just in general, like... It, it's tough to like watch him and know like oh man because this season especially for that especially during that like couple week run there where he's just just yeah. putting the bat on the ball he just seemed like things were starting to kind of work out you it was kind of a, a glimpse or a flash of this was what he was supposed to be mm-hmm. for the entire season for a decade and it's it's not it's not the first time we've seen this we, we yeah. like had three or four month-long stretches or big chunks of a season where you're like whoa yeah this guy's legit go out, find every single first Bowman you can of him, because if he can put a whole season together, he's one of the most exciting players in baseball. And then something like this happens, and you're just like, oh, my God. And that's where, if you're sitting there on the other side of this, two guys in the Houston area kind of trying to break this thing down to the best of their abilities, and they're like, wait, Donaldson might not play. Buxton just got plunked in the head with mild sim- uh, concussion symptoms. That means they're going to have to play Marwin Gonzalez. They're going to have to play Jake Cave. And all of a sudden, the Twins lineup doesn't look that scary at all. Uh, so that that's another, you know, the injury the injury thing. 
uh, in a rise. Is he a hundred percent? Apparently, looks like it. I don't know if he went six for seven. What was it? What was his slash the last two games? Hitting the ball all over the place. Yeah, but he's yeah. also still coming back from some soreness there. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. If kind of to flip this to the other side here, if I'm Houston, and what am I worried about? If I'm Houston, yeah. about our own selves, it's kind of the same questions of. We don't really have a bullpen. Um, our rotation yeah. compared to even last year is a shell of itself. Um, yeah. We brought Zach Krinke in. I know we pay him like he's the best pitcher in baseball, but like we brought him in to be the third pitcher on our rotation, which it gets really scary if he's a third. But when you have to trot him out there as your number one and a, and a pretty much unknown in F- Framber Valdez, who's a lefty, so it's a little bit concerning, but both their ERAs weren't like elite by any means uh McCullers or Christian Javier will probably take the ball in game three if, if we get there same kind of deal north of th- you know 348 and 393 for them uh you know Granky still striking guys out like good for him and Valdez strikes guys out too but yeah. uh it's 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 coming now where you're getting hit a lot though too it's not like it's a lot of swing and misses and then you're also shutting stuff down it's uh you're also putting the ball out and play a little bit. And I think Granky throws like 91 tops right now. So uh, if you're, you know, that's the one thing I think both good for the twins and kind of you feel shaky about if you're the Astros is, hey, their bullpen and there's rotation, not elite, but ours isn't either. Like we have the same problems here and they seemingly at least have Maeda who seems like a playoff pitcher, you know, and he, yeah. he seems like this season he's pitched, to the point of like we're really confident just throwing him out on the on the on the mound and letting him go for six innings. Uh, you Grinky's a name, so you feel like hey maybe you've been here before, you could do it, but you don't really feel good about anybody else on this on this pitching staff. And uh, combine that with a, a roster that's not performing to the level that they were expected to. Like I think that's a a real cause for concern here. Of if you're Houston, yeah, it, and that's that's where you kind of like start start sketching this up matchup wise number three seed twins who do you give the edge to offensively and this and i think this is we're, we're about to step to that positive side but i think i'd like to bring it to this how's the matchup look and this is a twins team i think i think buxton's gonna play tuesday from what it sounded like in conversations with rocco it sounded like donaldson was not as uh locked in so even even with with Donaldson in, like then the Twins are almost able to put together for one of the very few times this season the lineup they would like to have. They also have two days rest um, after the or a day rest after this 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 game today, rolling to Tuesday. So you got the day to figure it out. I think they have a workout tomorrow, and let's say the Twins are able to get Donaldson on the field get Buxton on the field and they're in the lineup on Tuesday. So that twins lineup featuring Donaldson featuring Buxton featuring Arise, along with Rosario Cruz, Polanco Garver um, and Kepler versus the Astros. Who do you think, who do you, who do you like in that like offensive matchup side, you know, starting pitching aside? I, I think in again kind of in where i lean i i think i lean the twins um 
and, and I think that's what overall gives me like kind of this weird uncomfortable feeling of hope of like where it's like for the first time ever it's not us having to ask these players to like literally bring their a game and hope that the other team which is you know traditionally been the yankees to i hope they bring like their d plus game because then like maybe we have a chance uh it's you know it's the guys that are doing well for houston this year are somewhat unproven like kyle tucker younger guy Mm -hmm. um Brantley, who averaged Bill pretty Michael. well, but like he's not like special. Like I think that's a good thing to like, point out about like it's not like this is Correa doing this. It's Michael Brantley doing this. So yeah. it it's like okay. Um, and again, just kind of going over stuff. Like Spring and Correa still hit like two sixty four and two sixty five, right? Uh, Correa did not hit like any home runs this year though. Um, Springer looks like okay, that's one dangerous bat, but like we start getting down. And again, it's their better players performing worse, right? Where I feel like it's kind of the opposite for the Twins, where you look at who's performing well for us, it's our better players are performing better. So Nelson Cruz, Luis Arias, in terms of hitting, right? Uh, Polanco, Eddie Rosario, Buxton are all kind of there. And then it's Kepler having a weird year. Miguel Sano probably having a Miguel, Miguel Sano year. Donaldson's been in and out of the lineup. So like it's also one of those things, too, that I kind of bring up the question of, are we really all that bummed out this year? based on how he's performed that like Donaldson might not be able to go in this first round. I, I think you're absolutely bummed out that he's not, if he's not able to play. Absolutely. Uh, he he's your, your lineup's better with Donaldson in it. That that's, that's a non-starter. He's better than Adrianza defensively, offensively. Um, I, I like the larger question about like, this has been such a funky, terrible year in many ways in the 60 game short season, like it might be hiding a bit of Donaldson's rough start, but it, it begs the question like, Oh shoot, we just wasted a year of Josh Donaldson when he was supposed to be kind of at the peak of this contract. So that brings up some questions for next year, but I think you want, if you're a twins fan, you want, you're desperate for Donaldson to be in this lineup on Tuesday. I, I think that's where I sit too. Um, I think he's still a guy that, you know, he's, a 272 hitter, so it's a career hitter. So it's not like this guy has been like, you know, he's batting 222 this year. It's not like he's like a career like 295 hitter and it's like, whoa, what's going on? He's always kind of been one year he might he hit draws like. A, draws a lot of walks. Yep. And I just, I think you start putting guys on base with this Twins team and it gets me, um, with any lineup, you want guys on base. But for me, it's it's a, I favor the twins in this because you know, this is a team that, that won more games than the Astros did. And ultimately that's what we're talking about here. Uh, they got to, they got to score some runs and it's a team that can score some runs in some different ways. Um, especially if Luis arises in the lineup and if Byron Buxton is in the lineup, yeah. I think there's, there's the guys that mash. Uh, we're talking Cruz. We're talking Sano. We're talking Rosario. We're talking Kepler. To an extent, Jorge has actually had a really down year, obviously, from last year. And we saw Garver put together a couple swings that was like, that would be great if Mitch Garver could show up for the for the postseason. Um, but the twins with Arise and Donaldson and Buxton get a, you know, Donald, Donaldson being a guy that can get on base. And I think Arise just, just puts the ball in play. We saw it over the last two games. Uh, he brings just this ferocious 
hitter into the lineup. Like the power, not not necessarily, but just tenacity and kind of this this ability to kind of flip the script a little bit. And then Buxton's just the speed wins games literally and offensive defensively. And then he also goes yard uh, in that last stretch. You know, every other game. So I give I give the Twins the advantage offensively if they can get those guys in the lineup. If not, then that changes the conversation and easily without Buxton, I think without Donaldson even, uh, it's either a push or if Houston can roll into this thing healthy. And this is a Houston team, mind you, without Jordan Alvarez. Um, you know, so they'd be a whole different ball club, I think, if Jordan's in there somewhere. It might be able to better protect the rest of the lineup. But without Donaldson, without Buxton, this thing is offensively, it's it's a little bit of a toss-up. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about even Jordan Alvarez, too, of just like a power lefty 290 bat that seemingly is just going to be like a really quality DH of just protecting all those right-handed batters. I totally forgot about him, too. Man, that's we kind of got lucky yeah. there that he's not going to be playing. Yeah. Um, I think it kind so, of... Well, Verland, this is a different team with Verlander and Alvarez, which oh, that's, that's, that's fucking baseball, though. Yeah. You get a couple injuries. Yeah, exactly. So I think important stat, and this is where I kind of start fading into uh, what, what gives me hope about the Twins here uh, with this matchup specifically, but also just kind of broad here where you look at Josh Donaldson with him in the lineup... He was, you know, Twins were nineteen and nine, with Nelson yep. Cruz in the lineup. Twins are thirty and twenty-two, with yep. Luis Arias twenty-one and ten, and with Byron Buxton twenty-six and thirteen. So, like, and again, obviously, we have a winning record, so it means that more likely than not, it's going to matter. But these are ten-game splits, other than Nelson Cruz and eight, because again, played in the most games out of everyone listed. But it's a plus ten like win differential. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When these guys are in the lineup, and so I think that's where your 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 split stats of your average, you know, home runs, stolen bases, uh, RBI, all those kind of things, they're helpful for individual, but it doesn't show necessarily like how well team wise you you know your importance is. And I know WAR does that a little bit, but I think WAR in a sixty game season gets kind of funky. Everyone basically yeah. is point five to to one point eight. Like it's everyone has yep. like, oh cool, you're like one <laughs> one win above replacement this year, awesome. <laughs> like that's just kind of everybody, but uh, yeah. it it does show that like there's certain guys that it is relevant when they're in the lineup, and um, even if they're only batting two fifty or two twenty two like Donaldson or um, you know Arise is figuring out of late, but uh, I think there's a there's a lot of guys on here that while they aren't proven winners in terms of playoff success, like they were proven to like be crucial to us winning ball games this year yeah and in last year too yeah that, that's the other thing uh bringing back a a, a a team pretty much you know outside of josh donaldson this is this is last year's squad and i think we we last year's squad was a really good team they bring some elements of that and i want to emphasize one more offensive thing is the twins have a better bench true they have better depth at catching they have better depth middle of the infield they have uh, Jake Cave, who's been uh, very serviceable um, in the in the absences here, and has had some really big games. So you got him, Arise, or excuse me, um, uh, Marwin uh, Adrianza, just to cover some ground. Not that these guys are going to be. Hopefully, they're not the difference makers in this series. They they might be, um, but they're a better bench. It's a little bit of a deeper bench. 
I love Jeffers at catcher in a pinch hitting spot. Um, shoot, I'd even maybe even think about having Jeffers. Well, I guess you got to start Garber, but uh, I like Jeffers. I really like Marwin, of course, but right when they got him, that built-in versatility everywhere, anywhere. I'm not sure if Ostadio makes this, but that would be fun that Ostadio gets uh, a playoff appearance at some point in time, maybe later on when we have a longer series. And I guess that that depth component, so I give the, the nod towards the Tim Twins bench. I give the nod towards the Twins rotation, even in this series, but especially in ladder rounds. If you can really use, and they, I think they can use it this round too. So let's say we were talking about this off of the pod. It was um, the idea that Barrios gives you five innings or four, and then just be like, that's it. Richie Hill coming in to give you a completely different look, and we're going to use his arm, and he's been pretty effective of late. Uh, or Odorizzi, if Odo's got the blister under control, and then that alleviates some of the stress on the bullpen. So staff, I give the nod towards the twins, and that might be a really nice tool to couple with and make up for the bullpen, therefore making the twins pitching as a collective better than Houston. Yeah, I think uh I, I yeah, I think it's like super relevant of too where you think Hey, we, we've mentioned this a bunch this last probably like four or five weeks, uh, uh, mostly off pod, but kind of reiterate that of the only guy that I feel comfortable with, like a traditional starter, six innings, seven if you're just dealing, is, is Maeda. And then after that, especially in this first round of three, best of three, and then even the next round in a best of, six, uh, best of five, where, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. like, let's go throw Barrios for three. If we're feeling like he's doing pretty well, four, first sign of some issues, get him out of there. Rich Hill, enter the game. Uh, Big Mike Pineda, same deal where it's like, listen, yeah. I think yep. you with a weird body type, like you're, you're like, your, your pants seem like they're like fastened at your like chest. And it's just weird. It's, it's again, it has a different arm angle stuff. Uh, pouring I, sweat. Yeah. Just pouring sweat. I've, I've never like no man sweats more than him. And maybe Dobnak too. I feel like Dobnak was always out there. Just like just the, yeah, Trevor may he's the other guy. They're just sweating buckets. They're like, are you okay, man? <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And then you go, like, you know, maybe it's a Pineda for three older Rizzi for three, uh, kind of game. Maybe we start looking at is like an Alcala or a Duffy, uh, an opener. In, in some of these playoffs too, where it's like, let's see if we can get two innings out of these guys in one and two, where it's not like if we throw them in six and seven and they give up two runs there, that it could be the ball game. So that at least we know, hey, we got seven innings to dig ourselves out of this hole, but we also save some arms. I just think for the first two series, like you said here, for these eight games potentially, you have you get your guy in Maeda, mm-hmm. but then you also have a really good spot to where we could throw Barrios for three innings game one and then like game four he can come back and do it again so it's you know that's the other thing of when you gas these guys for 95 to 120 pitches they're done for four days if you only throw them for 55 like bring them back in three days then like i don't see like why that's a big issue of let's get like a quality six innings no matter where we get them whether that over two games versus trying to get all six in one game especially if the order we only have to see the order one and a half times through. So um, I, I do agree with you where our pitching staff is better than Houston's. I think in general kind of jump into prediction time here. Yeah. I, again, it's, it's more if I think it's spots for Houston 
if I'm Houston, I'm sitting there looking, saying, hey, can we stay relevant with Valdez and with Grinky? And can we just get to a point where, like, maybe in, like, the top of the eighth inning, it's a one-run game, and we were down maybe, like, 4-3, and we jump up 6-4. Or maybe we're down, like, 2-1 or 2-0, and we tie it and put some pressure on them. And then let's just get to a one-batter home run scenario because then you got to feel, if you're Houston, that you're in a in, in about the same spot as Minnesota. Uh, but if I'm the Twins, yep. I'm just like, hey, just play baseball for 27 innings. Like I think yeah. over 27 innings, you're you're better than them. And so, I too much optimism has me saying that they'll sweep them. Um, but I just don't see again if we can withstand Granky and not get like overwhelmed by the moment and the name on the back of the jersey. I really think this thing is done in two games. Uh, I don't think they're like blowouts. By the, I think they're close, but. I think we can we can get out of this by Wednesday and be looking ahead and saying, okay, what's uh, what's happening in in Oakland? Yeah, I I I like that too. I'm also going to throw out the fact that it is going to be 60 degrees at best <laughs> on Tuesday, September 29th. It's a day uh, game though. A little overcast. It's going to be 62 on Wednesday as well, and then Thursday, October 1st. We've got a nice 53 degree, uh, 53 degree forecast with some rain. Like, welcome to Minnesota, Houston. How's it going? Uh, glad that you all have joined us here in lovely Minnesota in the late fall. Uh, colors are great up north here in the cities. It's going to get cold. I'm, I'm not sure that really, like, you know, after a, a nice summer and a nice fall, relatively, if that gives that keeps the Twins home field advantage. And I guess that's that's just the other thing. Like there, there's a reason you you're the best team in baseball at home. We don't, we don't know what it is sitting here, but I, I think it's, I think it's one of those like intangible small things. It's like, it's better to be able to like, come to the park from your house, do your thing, see your family, not be in a quarantine hotel. Um, some comfort, some ability to, to be in your known environment, not only knowing how the ball caroms off the wall, if you're Max Kepler, and being able to shut down a rally by a strong throw to second off of Joey Votto, thinking he can get a double stretched out. But it, it's it's those small things. And that's where I put those intangibles in the Twins' corner. And the last thing is I really think Rocco Baldelli is a damn good coach. Um, prove that the first year. Prove that with this team, with a lineup he has been able to put, like, his ideal lineup together. And he's just he's put it together. He's, he's done an excellent job. I think he's really freaking solid and I really appreciate what he's been able to accomplish this year. And I, I, I give all of those to the sweep potential of the twins here in the first two games. Um, a lot going to come down to Kenta and how he's thrown on Tuesday, but uh, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm positive And, of course, as a Minnesota Twins fan and a Minnesota fan, that's a terrifying place to be in. Because I feel like we we're kind of in this place last year of being like, bring on the Yankees. It's fine. It's a new team. We hit home runs. Let's go. And we know how that ended. Oh. So I, I, don't, I douse my optimism a little bit, but it'll be fully renewed when and hopefully Byron gets the A-OK to play and is in that lineup on Tuesday. That's, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at um, – Byron being back in the lineup, even if Donaldson can't, I, I I feel so much better with Buxton out there and Kenta on the mound. So that that's what I'm looking for. 
uh, if that can happen, uh, 2-0, bring on the winner of uh, Oakland in Chicago. Please be Oakland. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to 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 go into into Tuesday. First game, I believe we are the first game of the playoffs as well. Of yeah. from what I'm looking at this TV schedule, it looks like uh, 2 p.m. I hate when they don't put. Oh, here we go. All times Eastern, so 1 p.m. Central. Could be ESPN, could be TBS, to be determined. Uh, also looks like there's some local stuff. Again, we're just figuring this stuff out as probably everyone else is, so time-wise. But uh, for the record, Dave and I both have twins in a sweep, 2 nothing. Thursday, just watching hopefully game three of Chicago-Oakland. Hopefully yep. just goes into a huge like, 16-17 <laughs> inning game three where they have to just drain their bullpens, multiple starters <laughs> used, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden – we're, we're sitting pretty of whoever we're facing, but uh, any last uh, any last parting thoughts here before we get uh, the playoffs underway? Just just hoping that Byron Buxton's there. I, I feel like every single podcast I usually sign off by like being like, "Hope you're okay, Byron." <laughs> uh, but such a such is the life. I, yeah, I think uh, I think this season or playoff season rather is gonna maybe that's what we just call it. It's uh, live 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 and die by Byron Buxton. Uh, which is it, which when we, when we drafted him uh drafted him second overall this is uh, exactly what we were hoping we'd sign up for is he's going to be the I, guy that the reason we either win or lose a world series yeah. yep and and again it, it's just uh taking a moment with everything that's happened around um this entire year the the entire you know i think nationwide no matter where where folks are at at least i, I feel able to suspend a lot of frustration, concern, anxiety with life in general, and really trying to lean into heavily the joy of September fall playoff baseball. Uh, sure, put an asterisk on it, put an asterisk on the entire year of 2020. We're all here. Uh, let's let's enjoy this and, and be thankful for, for it. Yeah, no, I think it's well said. Um, so, yeah, we'll probably be back after – after we sweep the Astros or God forbid we have to go to a game three and, and really uh, have a nail biter out to maybe preview preview our next uh, next opponent, whether that's Oakland, yeah. whether that's Chicago, who knows? Um, or God forbid and if, if you don't yeah. hear from us, then, <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> then we uh, then we're we're drowning our sorrows in Iowa, putting our life savings on the Los Angeles Dodgers <laughs> to win the World Series at that point. But uh, uh, for Dave, this has been Woody. This has been Flyover Territory Podcast. We'll uh, catch you uh, next round. Get your Homer Hankies. Homer Hankies. Here we go. Go Twins. I do.